Shut up, Zen. Go back there and guard the door. Amen. All right, they're going to be passing out a handout here. It's one of the lessons out of the 52 deal, and I'll explain later how, how I got to this or how we're going to go to this, but they'll be handing these out in the next few minutes here. Thank you, young men, for that. Jacob, how many years? They were calling you out a while ago. Three years they've been married. Congratulations to you all. Did you get married on her birthday? Didn't? All right. Must have been pretty close then. Huh? Two days later? All righty. Um, where's uh, Dennis Martin? Where are you at? He's in the back. He had a birthday. When was your birthday? If you don't know, I ain't worried about it. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday. And I tell you what, I can't even see who's all back there. Amen. But I'm glad you're here. And uh, put up on the board, First Thessalonians chapter 3. You can just kind of hold that lesson they're giving you for a while. Maybe just kind of fold it up, lay it on your Bible. We're preaching through the book of First Thessalonians. And uh, we've went through chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we said that Thessalonians, the letters to the Thessalonica church, uh, the main theme is about the second coming of Christ. First Thessalonians deals with the uh, catching away of the church uh, to Christ, the bride of Christ to the Lord. Second Thessalonians deals with when he comes back in power and glory at the end of the tribulation period. But in the light of all this, as I said a while ago in the Bible class, when God saves you, and he saves me, you. Christianity is practical. And one of the things that I see going on in our generation is even preachers, let's get them saved. And I, yes, we should try to get people saved. But we ought to tell them the truth about getting saved. It's going to change your life. If you really get saved, it is going to drastically change your life. God doesn't save people from without. Somebody says, well, the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to get you. That's right. But you're here. You're not on the cross. Amen. You're here living life from day to day. And God expects his people to live in such a way that reflects his nature and his name. And so we're going to deal with this today in the issue of sanctification as a theme. But we're going to start with chapter three. and We're going to read that verse. Now go down through through chapter four, verse number 12. And again, I just want to say thank you for being here today, but I thank God that we can be here and how good God has been to this church. Amen. Chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians. If you don't have a Bible or not, you can read up on the board here. But if you do, I, I would encourage you to mark some things as we go down through here. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. And here's what he sent them for, to establish you. Underline that in your Bible. If there's any need in Christianity today, it's to get established in the faith. Amen. People are just blown around with this wind of doctrine, blown around here, and they hear this, and they go to this church, and go to that church, and they hear this, and they hear that. And God wants you to get established in his word. And, and then he said, not only to establish, but, but to comfort you concerning your faith. These people were being, and we'll get into this a little bit later in 2 Thessalonians, but they were being tormented by false teachers. They were being aggravated by people that things that God, Paul had taught them, they were saying they weren't true. And he's writing here to these people. Now, what, what does this do for folks here today? You're sitting in this church house today. I'm going to tell you it's number one. God wants you and I to be established in the faith. Amen. God doesn't want you wondering tomorrow whether you're saved or not. You're either saved or lost. Right. You either have received Jesus Christ as your Savior or you have not. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You either have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ to receive him as your Savior. And if you have, you have eternal life. And if you haven't received him, you're lost and you're one heartbeat away from hell. That's just the way it is. And God doesn't want you wondering. So if you get saved, let me tell you what the devil will do with you if you get saved. 
Then he's going to make you think you're not saved all the time if he can. He's going to throw fiery darts of doubt at you constantly. And he'll do it based upon your performance. But you weren't saved based upon your performance. You were saved based upon the sacrificial, substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, shedding his blood for us in our place on that cross. That's the basis of your salvation. The basis of your salvation is not how well you and I have done this week or we'll do next week. And so he wants you to get established in comfort and concerning your faith. There's a lesson in this booklet here. By the way, if you don't have one of these, get with Sister Connie or somebody and get one of these 52 Bible out lesson deal and study it and take your Bible and go through and ones that particularly have interest to you do that. But I'll tell you something. We need some people that are established in the faith. They're settled. They know what they believe and know why they believe it. Uh, let me just th- th- throw it again. You can't get established if you think the Bible is in 42 different versions because they say different things. And they, in fact, they will have the opposite effect on you. They will destabilize you because just, well, over here it says this, but over here it says this. I mean, I could throw stuff at you right now that people are just, I mean, they're like, whoa, where am I at? I'm going to marry go around. Get you an old authorized King James Bible that your grandpa used that was used in the founding of this nation and the blessing of this nation and just believe, get it settled and believe God and trust God about it and get established. Here's the word of God and I'm going to read it and I'm going to believe it. I may not understand everything about it, but I'm going to get established. And then he said, it'll comfort you. Now I want to tell you something, getting established in the faith, it'll comfort you. This world's using antidepressants and going here and doing this, that and the other. And they're all worried and fretting. The Bible even taught Jesus said their hearts would fail them for fear in the last days. You're seeing that people are all shook up. You don't have to be that way. I want you to leave this church today. If you're saved, (laughs) whistling, amen. Happy in the Lord. Singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die. And I want you to be comforted in the Lord, established in the Lord, and don't let anybody shake you up, amen. Uh, can I just tell you right now, if, if between now and next week, you heard Reggie, he run off with some woman. Is that going to shake you up? It, it certainly will not be a good thing for you. I admit that. But you know what? If I blow out, you need to be established and settled and it doesn't shake you. I'm sick and tired of people being shook up and shaken and troubled and when they ought to be settled in their faith. And Paul was dealing with this. Look at verse number three, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Can I just tell you something? Your life's going to be full of trouble. Man that is born a woman is few days and full of trouble. How many figure that much out? But it ain't too bad. Amen. Just trust the Lord and get on down the road and you'll figure, you'll find out that God will work all those afflictions and troubles. He'll work them out for his purposes and his glory and it'll be all right when it all washes out. Amen. We don't have to, but he said, don't get moved. Paul talked about over there in the book of Acts chapter 20, when he's talking about all the opposition that he had and all the persecution he had and the trouble he went through. You know what he said? None of these things move me. There's an old song where he's saying, I shall not be moved. And that don't mean being stubborn to your wife. (laughs) It means you're not going to be moved about your faith. You're going to place your faith in the word of God and trust God. And you're not going to get shook up and bothered. You're going to get established in things. You know what your kids need in your homes today? They need to see mom and daddy established in the faith. They need to see some comfort and they don't need to be seeing you worried about everything in the world. You want to give some stability to your children. Be solid in the faith. When your kids ask you about what's going on in the world, give them a Bible answer and say, son, it's going to be all right. The Lord is on our side. We've read the book. It's all right. Then he said, fix it for yourselves. Know that we're appointed there too. Now believe this or not, God appoints some of his people to afflictions. David said in the Psalms, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. Did you know that I have experienced that myself? There are afflictions that I've went through and then I'd read my Bible and I saw things I never saw before. And it's because of afflictions. You get sick, you'll like passages of scripture about being sick. <laughs> you go through betrayal, you'll look at Jesus and Judas from a whole other's perspective. And there's things that you're going to learn from God through afflictions. 
Now he said there, verse number four, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And you know, now he's not talking about the great tribulation. He's talking about the tribulations of this life that you're going to go through. Guess what? These people had, these people had been pagans. Paul came in, give them the gospel. They received Christ. There was a church started, but they still had afflictions, still had trouble, still had all kinds of problems in their lives. You getting saved is not going to stop your problems. In fact, my guess is they're going to increase because you're going to be running opposite of this world and the devil. Uh, even as it came to pass, you know, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, he said, man, I was worried about you people. I was hearing that you were getting shook up and, and didn't know whether you got the truth or not. And he said, he said, I couldn't no longer fear. I sent to know your faith. Paul said, I sent some people there to check you out. Lest by some means the tempter, that's the devil, have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Can, you, can I tell you something? How you like to build something that just fall down on you? He said, man, we went to all that trouble and this happened. Can I tell you something? You raise your kids and you try to build them up in the faith and they fall away from that. You're just, you're just like all that effort, all that love, all that we put into them. You see people out here and, and they profess to be saved and, and you poured your life into them. And then it's just like, throw it away. And Paul's concerned about this. He said, I can come up and play games with you. Verse six, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings, <laughs> amen, of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us. Can I say something? Hey, kids up here, you're, make, you're sure giving this old preacher some good memories. <laughs> and I hope that you young people, when you go out, whichever way you go in life, amen. that you'll have good remembrance of us. Amen. Don't let the devil poison your soul. Amen. I'll tell you right now, I don't know whether you kids know it or not, but you are, uh, this is a special time in your life Amen. when you're able to get up, sing together, and you guys do all kinds of things together and fellowship together. This, that's wonderful. You don't have that everywhere in life. I, I'm just telling you, there's some good, you ought to have some good memories. I want to tell you right now, old Phil Wilson down here, he's sorry. I mean, he is so worthless. I don't, it's amazing that God saved a guy like that, isn't it, Ralph? I love you, Phil. I love you too, Phil. I have good remembrance. We went through, I've watched you go through a lot of trial. You've watched me go through a lot of trial. I've seen you, I've seen you show up in church when I didn't know how you showed up. Yeah. Amen. Don't I know I aggravate you, but I have good remembrance. I want to tell you about church. Yeah, there's going to be some tough times and rough times, but you ought to have good remembrance of your brother and sister. And say, you know what? In spite of all the trouble, in spite of all the sorrows, in spite of all the deals that went through, Kenny, I'll tell you what, man. I was listening to Kenny share his faith the other night out here in the ball down about his past life. Man, I'll tell you what, Kenny, you know, I, just, I, I just look at you people and I have good remembrance. Paul said in Philippians, I have you in my heart. The Bible said we know we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. And, and I don't, you know, one of the things I really try to do is keep you from having a bad experience at this church. That's why the 11th commandment is you don't discuss issues at this church. Yeah. Not in here, not out there, not on the parking lot. You drive off this property before you have a rojo with your brother. Yeah. You don't have it here. I'll jump right in the middle of you. Yeah. One time a couple of guys got fired at a sale barn and the old boy that run the cell barn is kind of be smart. He jumped over the ring and he worked himself between those two men fighting, Brother Brett, and he went like this. You know what those men did? They stopped fighting. That's right. Be one of those people. Yeah. He didn't come at either one of them. He just put his face down. This country's full of people that's been hurt at church. And they don't have good remembrance. Let's try to avoid that here if we can. Amen. Of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also see you. I'm going to tell you, I ain't going to lie to you. I enjoy seeing people at church. I love y'all. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're here. There needs to be someplace we can pull in, park, and rest. Amen. Amen. Therefore, brother, in verse seven, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress. We were comforted by your faith. Did you know other, your faith can help be a comfort to other people? 
for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. He said, I was worried about you guys. I was worried I'd wasted my time and you just phony blown in playing religion. He said, I'm thankful as you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God? Boy, I mean, tell you what, you know about bring conviction on me. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Paul said, I didn't want to just lead you to the Lord. I want you to grow in the Lord. I want you to grow in your faith and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't just put notches on his spiritual pistol and say, well, I led 17, the Lord over there at Thessalonica and I'm going on somewhere and I don't care what happens to him. He said, I want you to grow in the Lord. That we might see your face and might perfect that which like your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way into you. Aren't you glad God can direct you? I'd underline direct our way. Yes. I'd say, Lord, would you direct, I've said steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Some of you have decisions to make. We all do along the trail. One of your prayers ought to be, Lord, direct my steps. Yes. Direct my way. Verse number 12, and the Lord make you increase and abound in strife and envy. <laughs> Some of you need to wake up. <laughs> what did it say? Love one toward another. You know, the Bible says as the years go by, we ought to love each other more and more. That's just exactly how it happens. I've been going searching for some people for a long time and they're very, very dear to me. The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. Can I say something to you? When we were talking about this Israeli deal, did you know Jesus died for those Hamas people? That's right. Did you know he died for the Arabs? He died for the Muslims? And as much as I disagree with what they do and their attitude and what their religion has done to their minds and their hearts, I would love to see them saved. And there are some occasionally. You see an Arab and Muslim. In fact, there's quite a few Muslims being saved in America. I will tell you this. If in God's providence, he's letting people come across the border, God help us to evangelize them. I really respect some pastors that are in some of the areas, especially down Northwest Arkansas, Southwest Missouri. There's some preachers down there who have taught themselves Spanish, who have started Spanish ministry churches because there's so many Mexican and uh, Spanish uh, people coming in. And I'll tell you something, that's what needs to happen. I'm glad those men have a vision to still saying, well, they ought to stop. Well, yeah, they ought to stop closing the border up. But if they're going to be here. We better reach them with the gospel or they're going to be trouble to us. Lord, make you abounding, increase in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. And here's what he's saying, to the end. Now, I want to tell you what will establish you, and that's love. He's just flat out telling you there. The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do to the end. That that love will do something in you. That he, he may establish your hearts. You know, you, you need a power this is what I love about Christianity. It's not intellectualism. It's not somebody's theories and philosophies. It is a supernatural power of God. The Holy Spirit of God moves in a man's heart. Amen. And he changes him from the inside. That's right. That's the power of Christianity. And one of the things that I grieve the most about, and I've thought a lot about this. When I hear somebody tell me, well, I went to church up here at Liberty Faith and all there was a bunch of rules up there. And if he didn't do this, you know, the bitterness flows out of them like, like sewage out of a pipe. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, I preached on issues, but they're Bible issues that you ought to want to do because you love the Lord. Yeah. I never preached one time in my life that you did those things to be saved. I preached because, because you are saved, you ought to want to obey the Lord. Out of love. I'll, I'll tell you how it is. Do I go around every week saying, oh, Brett, I wish I wasn't married to Karen. I wish I'd get loose from that so I could chase other women. You know, what, you know what my problem is? Love. Who wants to be married to somebody who's constantly doesn't even love you enough, wishes they could get loose and go do what your flesh wants to do? You say, oh, I wouldn't want to be hooked up in a relationship like that. Well, that's not, Christianity is a relationship of love. 
For God so loved the world. Not that we loved God, but He loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the love of God. And God, you know what God wants back? He's, yes, there's laws and statutes and judgments, but they were never to save you. They were to give you civil guidance for life on this earth. Jesus saves, when he saves, he puts in your heart a desire to, I don't, who wants to steal if you love somebody? Who wants to commit adultery if you love somebody? That love is the whole deal. And this is why he said, this was Paul's heart cry to these people. This was prayer day and night. Oh God, don't let them sink down into a bunch of rules. God work in their lives so much that their heart desires to obey the Lord because they love him. I I don't want Karen staying with me because she feels like she has to. I'm sure she has a few times. (laughs) I want her to want to stay. I want her to say, Reggie, I I wouldn't want to be with nobody else. I love you. Love is so much higher than all this religious junk. And if I could say one thing to you young people, don't let Satan take you down that path of thinking that Christianity is a bunch of rules. And then he's going to put him to the test here. And he's going to show me this about sanctification. Here we go. He said, verse 13, to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before the Lord. Now I want you to underline this in holiness. It's almost like churches are afraid to say the word today. And they are. You know why? Because they're preaching a gospel that's, quote, just gets you saved. And then you can just live any way you want to. God has no authority in your life. All he's supposed to do is save you from going to hell. And past that, he can walk. And there's this attitude that if you preach and teach what the Bible says about true salvation, that you're some kind of legalist. That's not true. Paul was not a legalist. Mark your day book. But he said, unblameable in holiness. Now, let me tell you something. What is holiness? Holiness is living in agreement with the word of God, a separated life unto Christ. That's what we're talking about, sanctification. Holiness is in the Bible is holy is something that's been set apart. It's special to God. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's to be set apart for his use. Our lives, our energy, our talents, our abilities, our property is to be, we're his. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. It's set apart. It's holy unto the Lord. Some people think if you walk, if I come up here with a backward collar on or, you know, some kind of religious garments, that's not holiness. Now dressing modestly and dressing like a man and dressing like a woman, that's part of holiness because that's obedience to the word of God. Okay. But a put on, that's what Jesus had to do with the Pharisees. He said, you're outward. He said, you're, you're, you're full of dead men's bones. He said, you wash the outer cup, but it's full of wickedness and corruption inside. True biblical holiness is in the heart and it will come out of the heart into obedience to the word of God willingly and gladly. You won't have an attitude of, oh, I wish I could steal. Doggone it. Boy, I wish I could watch pornography and feel good about it. That's not Christianity. And this is what Paul is leading these people to. Okay. He said, in holiness before God. Underline that. Quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. You ever get it right before God, it'll be fine before people. And don't sit there and say, well, I don't care. God knows my heart. Oh, no. Yeah, he does know your heart. And if your heart is disobedient to the written clear word of God, then you do have a heart problem. So quit saying, I don't care what everybody thinks about me. Yeah, you ought to care what people think about you. You know that you ought to care. I know you've heard me say, I don't care. What I don't care is about this world. Don't like the preaching of the word of God. That's what they don't like it. I'm not quitting for them. What I'm saying is, and you ought not disobey God to plead the world. Okay, now here we go. He said, before God, even our father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And that gets back to what we were talking about this morning. So he's telling them, live in the light of the coming of Christ. 
Live in the light of the coming. You got to live every day, go to work every day, go to school every day, whatever you're doing, but live in the light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Chapter four, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye have received of us, how, ye, and here you go, underline this, how ye ought to walk and to please God. Here's something everybody needs to get a hold of. When God talks to his children in the New Testament, there is an assumption that you are willing to go back to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and read his statutes and judgments about life. Can I tell you something? There's the argument. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, well, I never heard Jesus say nothing about, I've read the New Testament through, and I've never heard Jesus say anything about homosexuals and sodomy. Okay. Where's that? Well, he did say something about it. He said that male and female from the beginning, he said plenty about it. He said everything it needed. He said the foundational statement about it. But I could also say, well, where did Jesus say that child molestation is wrong? See where that goes? Yeah. So if you're going to get this attitude, if Jesus didn't say something specifically to you in the New Testament, that it's okay for you to do it, you're in Lululand spiritually. Yeah. That's right. Because God is assuming that you, that you understand his whole word, Genesis Revelation, and that the Old Testament is the foundation of his statutes, judgments, and commandments. So you go back to Leviticus chapter 18 20, and it tells you all the physical relationships and immorality acts that you cannot have, be a part of as a person of God. Amen. And he's assuming that you, if you believe on me, watch this. I'll throw you a hard one. Jesus Christ is the word. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Amen. You can't separate the Bible, all of it, from Jesus Christ. You cannot do it. And if you try to, you're perverting the Word of God. Amen. So if you're going to take all the Word of God, you go back. God says, all right, all these commandments, these statutes, He didn't tell you that saved you. He set that up as a civil law and governmental system for the nation of Israel. And when our fathers, founding fathers in this nation set this nation up, that's why we're called, it's called a Judeo, that's the Old Testament Christian culture. Judeo-Christian culture, Old Testament, New Testament. Where does we get the basis that, that, that don't murder people? Where'd that come from? Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Amen. And so you take everything back. So here's what I'm getting to. When God, he, he addressed every issue of life, even your toilets. That's right. Told you to bury the human waste. Taught you what's clean, what's unclean. And, and, and by the way, in all of those physical realms, he usually had a spiritual realm that he was dealing with about it too. The unseen world as well as the seen world. Anyway, we got, let's keep going. He said, how you ought to walk and to please God. When Karen and I met, and as time went on, and, and, and as our years begin to unfold, we pray. And I don't know whether she realizes this or not, but when she prays, she always nearly prays, help us to walk pleasing unto you. Now, I'm just telling you, if I've heard her pray that one time, I've heard her pray it a thousand times. Help us to walk pleasing unto you. Where does that come from? What kind of heart prays that and wants that? Lord, I want to walk pleasing to you. Now, let me tell you something. To walk pleasing is not to walk disobediently. But to walk pleasing, if you think you have to, but it's against your will, you've got a problem. And that problem may be you never have a new heart. You get a new heart and you have a desire to please God rather than men. So he says, to walk and to please God. If I were you, how you ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more. He says, keep growing, keep moving, keep growing in your faith. For verse number two, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord uh, Jesus. For this is the will of God. All right, here it is. Somebody said, boy, I wish I knew the will of God. Here it is. Your sanctification. Now you have this handout that I gave you and it's on the subject of biblical sanctification. Let's finish reading this and we'll come back to it. That you should abstain from fornication. Wait a minute. God, you have no business telling me how I live. I mean, he mentions the doctrine of sanctification and the first thing he says deals with immor immorality. So let's continue. I'm going to come back to how the, that. Watch this. This is powerful stuff. That every one of you should know how 
to possess his vessel. All right, what is he talking about? The Bible said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Your body is an earthen vessel. We have this treasure, Jesus Christ. The word of God. We have this treasure. Now he's saying, I want you to know how to possess your vessel. How? In sanctification and honor. And certainly you would not believe that he wants you to honor the world or the devil. Right. He's talking about honoring him, the Lord. How? In sanctification and honor. So here's the big deal. Now this is huge because these people were living in a pagan world, a lot like you're living in, and the, you look around you and everybody's doing everything. Do what you want to. Live any way you want to. No, but there's no rules. And show up on church Sunday morning, go back out and live like you want to. And that's not at all what the Bible teaches. Because you're saved. God says, now let me tell you something. Everybody said wants to be saved, but the people do not, you don't hear sanctification preached in your generation. Right. I'm just going to ask you a question. Just be honest with me. When's the last time you heard a message on biblical sanctification? Just ask yourself that question. And yet it is all through the Bible. Yeah. Let me tell you about God. God never saves anybody apart from sanctification of that same person. The big picture is in Egypt. When God delivered Israel out of Egypt as his people, the blood, the picture of salvation by the blood was put on the door. Okay. He saved them by the blood. They were saved. What did he do with them? Took them out of Egypt. This is sanctification. Took them out of Egypt. I am not leaving. Watch this. My people in Egypt. If you know your Bible, Egypt is always a picture of the world. Yeah. Now you listen to me. In less than 20 years, probably all of us are going to be likely, for sure, 50 years, nearly everybody in this building is going to be in eternity. All this will be behind you and you're going to be in eternity in heaven or hell, depending on what you've done with Jesus Christ. Some of you claim to be saved, but you want nothing to do with the doctrine of sanctification. All you want is to be saved. And I'm going to live like that. And you carve out your Christian, quote, life of what you say. You, see, you make up your own statutes, your own judgments, your own way to live. Yeah. Instead of going to the Bible. And here's what I'm going to tell you something. I've been there. I've went to church year after year, sat there, didn't want to go to, I had a man tell me this, a trucker, I witnessed to a trucker this week. His name's Aaron. Please pray for him. That man, I mean, you talk, whoa, it's something else. But anyway, I think God doesn't save anybody without immediately began to move them into sanctification. God wants you to come out of the world Amen. and its system. And he wants you unto him. Now watch this. Sanctification is not isolation. That's right. It's not crawling back in five acres in the middle of the mountains and saying, I ain't going to see nobody. Right. It is not going to a monastery or a nun's convent. Right. Sanctification is living separated from the world unto God. What's that mean in a daily basis? It means that you in your salvation experience, the Holy Ghost within which lives within you is going to take you away from the world in every arena of it. And he's going to take you to God. Now you can like this or lump it, but God does not save anybody without immediately starting on them on a journey of sanctification. And the trouble with the church today and the trouble with American Christianity is we don't want to go to hell, but we want to live like the world. And I'm telling you, I don't want you, if it's 15 years or 50 years now, I don't want you looking over at me at the judgment seat of Christ or, or the great white throne judgment as a witness and saying, Reggie, why didn't you preach harder on that? I went to church. I'll go back to what I was talking about. I know what it is to sit in church and say to myself, well, you've been saved. You went to the altar, quote, but just go right out of church and live like the rest of the world lives. Yeah. And I had no peace. I had, to, I had to jimmy up a false peace. I had to keep telling myself, you're all right, you're all right, you're all right. But my heart was not settled. I, I had no peace. The Holy, what's this? The Holy Ghost will not give a disobedient heart peace. Yeah, that's right. 
will not give a rebellious heart. And here's the thing. After a while, watch this. I look for patterns. I don't look. Anybody in this church, you, you could just fall in, in a mud hole of sin this week. And you might call me and say, Reggie, I have messed up royally. You know what? I'm not going to get all bent out. I'm not going to worry about it. We're going to get up and go again if you're a child of God. But if the next week you fall in it, then the next week you fall in the next, I'm going to begin to want if you ever got saved to start with. And if you say to me, Reggie, I don't care about what God's word says. I have my own set of statutes and things that's acceptable in the Christian life. And I don't care what the Bible says. I don't, have, I don't trust your profession of faith. I think you lost. Amen. I mean, that's just biblical. Amen. So now here's what he says. Possesses vessels. Amen. So now let's back up a minute. And let's say that everybody listens to me and everybody in this church house. Attitude is, well, I, want to do, I want to do that. I want to walk and please God. And uh, I, I want to I let God sanctify me. By the way, get this down real quick and hard. Sanctification is just like salvation and you don't do it. Amen. You allow it, you yield to it, and surrender to it, but he does it. Amen. For this is the will of God, verse three, even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. Amen. So he just hits something real hard. He says, God's going to pull you out of that world. Verse number four, that every one of you should know how. So now here's the question. How do you possess your vessel? All right. Let's just talk about it. He mentions fornication. So he's, the context here is immorality. He says, you guys got saved. You were living in a vile, immoral, perverse world. What do you, how, do you, how are you going to know how to possess your vessel? To possess, to possess means take control of things. Now the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Now you listen to me, if you're going to possess your vessel, that means your mind, your heart, your body, everything like that, you're not, don't hang around or go to places or around things that's going to arouse, and he's going to mention the word defraud here. Things that would cause you to be tempted and to be, uh, to move in a wrong direction. There's some places you need to stay away from. There's some people you need to stay away from. I want to ask you a question. If I go to the volleyball, uh, I say basketball game this week somewhere, some school over here, and it comes halftime or during the ball game, what kind of clothes are the pom pom girls and the cheerleaders wearing? What kind of music are they? Are they playing Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound of Sadie Rich like me? What's the, by the way, whose idea is it to dress those girls up and stuff just like this right here and to do all kinds of stuff that will show literally their crotch? Teachers. Who come up with that? So now here's the question. Does, by the way, I'll say not just the pom-pom girls, but the volleyball girls. They've got them girls wearing, I mean, right here. Why? Because they're of the world. And if any man loved the world, the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You mark it in your day book. By the way, did you know he started in one of the most basic areas? He's not going, he's not deep diving on spirituality. He's just saying, hey, let's just start with fornication. It's wrong. And you need to have possession. Hey, boys, all right. You boys growing up, you're a red-blooded boy. God gave you a desire to have a wife, to mate with a wife, and have a family and children. You see these girls, I mean, you know, by the way, girl doesn't have to, you, I'm not saying that modestly dressed girls can be, you know, but I'm saying, how are you guys going to possess your vessel? How are you going to possess it? You're going to have to be walking with God. That's why I said, walk with God and please God. You're going to have to be in the book and in prayer and you're going to have to control, you're going to have to have temperance, control, letting the Holy Spirit of God control you. You don't watch things, look at things, hang around things or get involved in things that are going to bring you down. Now this just, it, you know, so how are you going to present, that we ought to know how, abstain from all appearance of evil, abhor that which is evil. You don't hang around that kind of stuff. You recognize it is for what it is. Yeah. Can I just say something? I want to get this out. It makes me sick that the world makes the church out to be a bunch of prudes. Yeah. 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 Can, you know what's so stupid? I think they're the prudes. I mean, you walk in this church, you got kids everywhere. Mom and dad's been doing something besides having picnics. Well, come on, ain't it the truth? Amen. It's just a fact. I'm not letting them tell you something. There's nothing more beautiful and wonderful than God-ordained physical desires between a husband and a wife. Amen. And the joy and the pleasure and the intimacy that it brings. Don't try to tell me that. 
I'll tell you what'll mess you up and that's running around like a hound dog everywhere out around here. That's what'll mess you up. Amen. And God says, I want you to know how to possess your vessel. He says, boys, I want you to know how to not let yourself get stirred up sensually outside of God's word. Amen. It's for your good. Know how to possess, what are we talking about? Sanctification. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to have to preach the sanctification part tonight because it's 1154. And we're going to, so we're going to do the handout tonight because I don't want to just run through it, but I do want to go on down to what he said, how to possess his vessel in sanctification honor, not in the lust of concuspicence. Now that's a big word. You say, Richard, what's that mean? It means unbiblical, unlawful sexual activity. That's what it means. You get the same word concubine comes from the same word. Okay. Concuspicence. Unlawful, unbiblical desire of sexual pleasure and fleshly fulfillment. He said, I don't want you doing that. Stop that. Amen. That's ungodly. It's unholy. God forbids it in his statutes. God has ordained marriage. You operate within marriage boundaries and everything will be fine. But don't do this other stuff. Now watch verse number six, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have self formed you and testified. Now defraud can cover a lot of things, but in this context here, defraud means to arouse, watch this, to arouse sensual desires in another person that you cannot righteously fulfill. And that's, that's, def that's biblical defraudment. Now, of course, it expands itself out. You can defraud cheap people in a, in a business deal. You can cheat people various ways and all that kind of stuff. But in this context here, it's defrauding is to arouse sensual desires. And another, so, so what's he teaching? How to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. Is this going to honor the Lord? And stay away from that stuff. Be separated from the world and that stuff, Okay. So let's continue on because it's 1156 and, and now not in the last verse five because even the Gentiles, which know not God. He said the people live like that. They, their people don't know God. He said, if you know God, you ought to know better than that. Verse number seven, mark this verse in your Bible for God, not the preacher, not mom and daddy necessarily. God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto what? Let's say it together. Holiness. Let's say it again. Holiness. Did you ever hear the phrase? I had it thrown at me this week. And it's okay. Somebody was talking to me about coming to church here and, and, and I was glad they even had been thinking about it. But they were concerned about it being a bunch of holy rollers. <laughs> Just telling you the truth. Literally told me that. I said, uh, he, he said, we just don't want to be someplace where everybody's out in the floor rolling and it's just going chaos crazy. And, you know, that's just, we just, we just, we don't want that. They're interested in coming to this church. I'll just be honest, there's, there's some people, they're very interested in coming here, but they don't know for sure what's going on here. <laughs> now, you know what I told them? I said, we're going to praise God. Amen. We're going to say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I said, I might jump up on top of the pew on a rare occasion. <laughs> in fact, you know, I said, we're going to, but I said, we're not going to go nuts. You know, we're not going to go, you know, I mean, I, no, it ain't going to be, uh, my dad, this is funny, I, this is funny, we're about to get down there. My dad told me, well, he, there was a church up, I believe it was, Danny's not here, but I think it's Hickory Flat up on the hill. And he said, Reggie, they used to have them old, and don't get mad at me, okay, don't get upset, but he said there'd be an old Pentecostal preacher come through there every once in a while and said he'd hold a meeting. Chris said, we didn't have nowhere to go and know how to get anywhere anyway, so heck, they're going to go to revival. He said, I went to revival to see the girls. <laughs> I, think me, I, think, I think him and my mom at the church meeting. But anyway, he said, Reggie, he said, I was a lost man. Yep. And he said, they'd get up and have the meeting. He said, then women start rolling down the aisle. Rolling, rolling like this down the aisle. And he said, the dress would just keep working up as they, it, yeah. as they roll down the aisle. How many knows God's not within a thousand miles of that? Amen. God is not within a thousand miles of that. Amen. But he said, it's quite a show for a teenage boy to see. <laughs> <laughs> Romans 
right there in God's house, they were defrauding people, arousing sensual. There's no telling how much damage was done to young teenage boys by them grown women rolling down the aisle showing their pants. Isn't that pathetic? Okay. Well, we'll try to head on south here and get out of here. God hath not called us uncleanness, but unto holiness. Verse number eight, he therefore that despiseth, boy, this is so good, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given us unto us his Holy Spirit. You know what he's saying? You may despise me for teaching this and writing this to you, but you're not despising me, you're despising God. When you despise holiness, when you despise sanctification and separation from the world unto God, you're not despising man, you're despising God. God's the one said to do it. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren that are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And he's, that's the theme. He says, I want you to grow in the Lord. I want you to learn more about the Lord. And as you learn, I want you to obey the Lord and His command. You know, if somebody's just saved and they don't know, you, that's no big deal. But if you're saved and you learn and you say, I ain't doing that. I'm not obeying God about that. That's another issue. Now, I love verse number seven. And I want prayer. I mean, 11, verse number 11. And that ye study to be quiet. <laughs> now, I'm going to quit preaching right here and ask you all, how is that done? Because I need a good lesson in that. How many has ever opened your mouth and wished you hadn't have? Yep. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Yeah. Study to be quiet. Yeah. You know what I think that means? But Jason, I, I'd like, we might have a, I think that means think about what you're going to say. Yep. Think it through. Now I'll tell you about preaching. It's pretty hard to study. <laughs> you get to preaching, first thing you know, you might say something. You wish you had said it a different way, you know. I mean, I've done that. But I like that. Study to be quiet and to get involved in everybody else's business. <laughs> hey, can I tell you all something? I'm going to tell you straight up. We've got a lot of people in this church with a lot of different skills, a lot of different businesses. Be careful working for each other. Because you, could, you, might, you might wind up thinking, well, he ain't doing what he said he would do, or he didn't pay me what he... You. And by the way, can I give you another piece of advice? If you're going to do it, write everything down. Yeah. Amen. Write everything down. Write the price of the charge for the service down. What's, write it down. Yeah. My experience has been, if you have a problem with somebody like that, they'll say, well, my understanding was, and I, well, I never said that. Well, that's what I thought you said. Yeah, you did say that, Rich. And I'm like, why didn't I write this down? Because you're open to anything. So if you are going to do business together, write it down, what your agreement was, and then make up your mind. I had a deal happen to me this week in a situation. And I was going to have to write this guy a check. And he said, he said, Reggie, I didn't worry about it. I said, I knew you'd do that or better. And I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, it'd be, I said I'd, I'd, die to make sure, I'd, I'd die to make sure you're taking care of right. I ain't cheating. I don't have no interest in cheating nobody. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, especially somebody I'm trying to lead to Christ. <laughs> now, I cheat you brothers, all right. I'll be, you know. But don't, can I tell you another thing? Enjoy your fellowship here together. Yeah. But be careful how much you talk. Yeah. That's right. Just you know, mind your own business. Yep. Now, if you want to make Van happy, go see Van and go, go like this. Then what'd you do yesterday? What'd you do the day before? Why'd you have that shirt on for? He can't, I, no, he's my brother, I can tell on him. He can't stand somebody that comes up and just ask him 42 questions about his life, what's going on. Yep. How many likes for people to come up and just quiz the daylight? Say, they, they gotta know everything about your life. Yep. Who's that woman I seen you with the other day? She hears that? Mind your own business. Don't ask. I'm not going to ask Phil, how much did you make on that job you had last week? Ain't none of my business. 
It ain't none of my business. And you know why people have trouble? Because they get their busybodies. And God compares busybodies to murderers in the Bible. Check me out on that. And it talks about women going around here and going around there, wanting to learn everything about everybody. And men too. I'll add men to it. Study to be quiet. Do your own business. And go to the mailbox. What's it say? Work with your own hands. Hallelujah, this good preaching, amen. Work. Work with your own hands. Happiest people you know are people who are physically and mentally busy doing something to, you know, to work and accomplish and achieve. Work. Now, I'm going to say this. You boys listen me up. These Muslim boys all over the world, they don't have what you have. And they see these American boys acting like a bunch of sissies sitting there on their phone all the time. You know what? They can't hardly wait to slit your throat because they don't hardly think you're worth living. You're such a candy. You're such a reproach against manhood. I'm thankful for (laughs) the boys in this church that work. I'm telling you, I, I respect anybody that'll work. Amen. Yeah. You know what he's saying there? Go to work. Go to work. <laughs> but I'm saying, we ain't careful. The American people are figuring out how can we bleed the system? Right. See, they would say, I would never go up and say, man, Brett, you know, I ain't worked in six months and don't plan on it. Could you give me $500? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have people doing that hardly to me. But you know what they will do? They'll find out how they can bleed your $500 through the system. Yeah, absolutely. And there's 42 different ways they've managed to get people's money. And that's why your taxes are so high. It's so many programs anyway. Now I'm meddling, aren't I? Well, last verse, believe it or not, that ye may walk crookedly. How? Honestly toward them that are without. He said, whatever you guys do, you do right by those lost people out there that aren't saved. You walk honestly toward those people. You pay your bills. You don't cheat people. I, I know this ain't deep theology. This is real deep, ain't it, Justin? This is real deep, isn't it? But it's the truth. You want to knock somebody out from ever following you in the faith, cheat them. and that you may have lack of nothing. You know what he's telling them? You just serve the Lord, God will take care of you. What's that fit? Matthew 6, 33. He wasn't saying that arbitrarily. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's that mean? You do right before God, all these things will be added unto you. My God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory. How many thinks Paul wrote a pretty good letter to the first Thessalon- the Thessalonian church? He wrote a good letter, didn't he? If we'd live by this, it'd be a good country to live in too, wouldn't it be? I love y'all. Let's stand together.